0: UK Motor Talk, Lewis Hamilton, five times world champion.
1: Graham Bench.
2: We all at UK Motor Talk wish the warmest congratulations on Lewis Hamilton as he achieves his fifth world championship. We've been very lucky at UK Motor Talk. We became involved and have been talking to Lewis since the earliest days in Formula One in talking to members of his family, his father particularly, who he credits greatly with this championship win. A very, very likable young man, but with a level of determination that I think is rarely seen even amongst the top Formula One drivers. He becomes one of three drivers to have achieved five world championships. We used to think, Jackie Stewart's benchmark of three World Championships was pretty impressive in fact everybody thought it was pretty impressive because Jackie Stewart's win rate was roughly one in three which is pretty good going. Lewis has now completed 226 races in Formula One. Far more, of course, in a short space of time than was ever the case in uh, Sir Jackie's day. Or uh, another great fan of Lewis, as many years ago we were able to introduce Lewis to Sir Sterling Moss in a little project that we developed with McLaren a very long time ago now. And it became apparent when we were making some film in more recent years for Sir Stirling Moss that he rated two drivers particularly highly because they're the only two that actually have a photo In his office, a signed photo. One was his old sparring partner and teammate Juan Manuel Fangio, who also won five world championships, and of course, now Lewis, who now holds five world championships. So Sterling, probably the greatest world champion this country never had. He was runner-up three times. Rated, uh, right from the earliest days, Lewis very, very highly. And his far-sightedness has been proved uh, entirely accurate. The question is, now, Fangio won his fifth world title when he was 46 years old. In the last year that he raced, incidentally, also for Mercedes, Lewis is just 33, with the potential to drive who knows, another three, four, five years at the most competitive level. And everybody, all of the other drivers, just about everybody in the sport, thinks he's got at least one more and possibly two more championships in him. That would then equal Michael Schumacher's astonishing record of seven world championships. Let's hope that that proves to be the case. Michael was, aside from being incredibly talented and sometimes very ruthless, also in the fortunate position of being in the right team or teams at the right time. He scored in his early days with Benetton and much of his uh, or many of his World Championship wins came with Ferrari, which was then the dominant team by a very long way. But since Mercedes have returned to Formula One, they have proven to be the dominant team, as was Red Bull before them. So don't let us forget Sebastian Vettel's four world championships. And he was the only really serious rival to Lewis this season. Sebastian is also a very young man. They both have every chance of adding to their tallies. And frankly, at the moment, there doesn't seem to be anybody much to touch them, apart from Max Verstappen. Now, there's a future champion in the making, I think, quite definitely. But it looks to me like Lewis may well go on to another world championship. But in the moment, let's congratulate him on becoming a five-time world champion. It really is quite an achievement. Even Fernando Alonso, he's a pretty fair racer himself and a pretty fair judge of character, said that Lewis is probably one of the five greatest motor racing drivers ever. That really is going some way to praising him.
0: Michael
1: Gates and James Baxter. Hello and welcome to the UK Motor Talk podcast. We thought we'd do a a bit of a special podcast this week discussing Lewis Hamilton. Although,
0: if I'm honest with you, we don't have our microphones with us here today, so this is going to sound maybe a little bit more sketchy than normal. We had to just stop and talk about Lewis Hamilton.
1: Of course, this week crowned five-time world champion, Formula One driver, one of the greatest of all time, maybe. Certainly one of the greatest Brits of all time, but myself and Mike, we're going to have a discussion and, uh, and ramble some of our thoughts out for you to have a listen to and, uh, and listen to or disregard as you see fit.
0: And, and let's be honest here, we do have a bit of form when it comes to rambling, so uh, yeah, we are probably best continue that endeavour. First things first, Lewis Hamilton pit action micro scooter. Is it okay for adults to ride micro
1: scooters? Uh, to be honest, buzzing around a paddock, yes it is. Uh, a scooter, a, a clapped-out mountain bike, a quad bike, whatever you can use to get around a paddock is uh, is probably well worth it because some of the mileage they have to cover over a weekend. Um, we know from experience how just even Brand Satch, how... That's a reasonable size pit and panic and that's quite a small circuit. So if you're buzzing around one of the newer, bigger yes. circuits, it, it can be a fair old distance from one end of it to the other. And if you've got a weekend full of media commitments and things like that, then, um, yeah, why not? He he's, just, he's allowed.
0: Uh, he, he does look quite nonchalant as he just scoots past every other driver, though. I think there, there's something quite amusing about it. Uh, it's, there's almost a metaphor here, isn't there, as he sort of goes uh, flying past people, despite, um, of course, finishing fourth in Mexico.
1: Well, yeah, it was a bit of an odd race. Obviously, run at I think it's the the highest altitude race of the season. So that that played havoc with the the pecking order and bits and pieces like that. It seemed to increase the parity or reduce the disparity, whatever the right phrase is, between uh, between the engines. Obviously, running much higher altitude, less air floating around, mm. and air is all important for Formula One cars, both in terms of going into the engine. And, uh, and being added with a bit of petrol and turned into power. Second, of course, aerodynamics as well. I mean, we saw the Haas team that they were, to be honest, absolutely nowhere. I think they finished pretty much last just because of the the lack of air around. that They've got aerodynamically quite a good car, mechanically and, and suspension-wise maybe not quite so much. And with how tight the midfield or the, the Formula One... League One, whatever you want to call it, how tight that midfield scrap is—a uh, couple of tenths or a second a lap makes makes all the difference between third best team and, and last, really.
0: Mm, I mean, if if Gran Turismo, uh, and therefore the Pikes Peaks Scudo Challenge cars, or anything, is you need to have a ridiculous amount of, of horsepower if you're going to be running at altitude because. Yeah, so the air is less dense, there's not very much there to burn. Yeah, you, you've got to have a lot of power to sort of get through. And yes, as you say, the aerodynamics are important, but there is a point where you need that all-out power. And if that does help level the playing field, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, to be honest.
1: Well, do you know, somebody did say, could, could we just run all the races at at that sort of altitude just to even things out because mm. it, it showed how uh, how good the red bull chassis is and and how good the red bull aerodynamics are to work as well. I think during the race we saw how bad the mercedes is at running in traffic. I mean lewis had made a, a hell of a start and and did well to make up a couple of places probably helped by ricardo's engine issues i think off the line he said his uh, his start map wasn't quite as it should be. But yeah, if if Lewis had 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 an even better start and got in front into the first corner, I think he'd have still had graining issues, as they all did on the tyres. But I don't think it would have been as bad. And and as I say, we've seen this year the Mercedes is is not good, not good in traffic. Um, so that accelerated the graining issue. But then it made for an unpredictable race. You had until Ricardo's engine blow up. He uh, he was running second, not that far behind Max. But he'd had one stop, whereas Max had had two. So...
0: Bearing in mind, uh, as some people would argue, the Earth's flat, we might just to jack it up a, uh, you know, a couple of thousand feet, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll be fine. All the circuits will be a couple of thousand feet high and we not have to worry about it. Yeah, you'd have
1: to put some lifts in and, uh, and some yeah. escalators. I don't know yeah. how you get all the trucks
0: up the hill. But, yeah. uh, Your thoughts yeah. from around the globe, please, um, as as to how or not we could do that. I mean, there's been much talk, as you'd probably expect, in the press and everywhere comparing Hamilton to all-time greats. Obviously, he is the most successful Brit. He's matched Fangio, who Sterling Moss said was the best ever driver, one of its founding fathers, of course. And there's always the Schumacher comparison. Now, you particularly enjoy talking about Schumacher, and I think everyone that has any real memory of Formula 1, I mean, for me, I guess... You thought, I think, the early 90s, 94, 95, uh, Benetton Drive. I think it's a shame, actually, that he missed racing Hamilton competitively by a season. It would have been, what, 2006? So I think it, it's, it's a shame that, that you can't make a, a direct comparison there. Do you think it's fair that we make the comparison at all? Because it's different cars, different time, different people. Can you actually really only compare him to
1: today's drivers? Well, to to some extent you can. Of course, Schumacher and, and Hamilton raced together, but that was sort of set, spec two Schumacher, if you like, Schumacher 2.0 yep. on his uh, return. And I think, by all accounts, the, the general opinion is he wasn't as competitive as he was before his retirement. Having said that, he was being compared to Nico Rosberg, and Rosberg was, was generally, he had the measure of Schumacher during their time at Mercedes together... Uh, but on one season, Rosberg completely had the measure of Hamilton over a season on points, of course, beating Hamilton to the World Championship a couple of years ago. So was Schumacher that good? Was Rosberg that little bit better? And is Lewis that bit better than Rosberg? You know, is is the actual current ultimate pecking order Hamilton, Rosberg, Schumacher? No, it's a simple answer. It isn't. There's, there's no way that overall over the balance of his career that you would put Rosberg above Schumacher or indeed Rosberg above Hamilton so you've got to almost discount the fact and again driving comparing drivers from different eras well you, you can only compare them and measure them against what's in front of them at the time you know if, if there's the car there's the tracks there's the rules there's a the number of races get in and get on with it and you beat everybody else then fair play to you. if the rules then change and somebody else beats everybody else then Fair play to them, you know. I think much has been said of, of Vettel's mistakes and bits and pieces this year. Where do you put Vettel in the all-time greats list? Well, he's he's a full-time world champion, so in theory, on number of championships, he's level with Alan Prost. But of course, uh, the counter argument to that is Vettel was only good in the Red Bull with the blown diffuser and that particular driving style but then again it's all a measure of of what's in front of you at the time valentino rossi one of the greatest motorcycle racers of all time because he has a bike in front of him that's on two wheels if if you put him into tractor racing then then he might not be so good at it so mm. it's, throughout throughout history it's it's just how you measure up against your contemporaries with with everything at the time but of course yeah we've got schumacher on seven titles hamilton on five Fangio on five and Prost and various others on four, three, two and one and and so on and so forth. So, I mean, A, to get to Formula One is a phenomenal achievement. B, to win a race. Uh, Very few people have done that. And then to string it together and win a championship is is a a superb achievement on its own. But to do it year after year after year against various competitions, to put himself in the right place, you know, moving away from McLaren in 2012 and, and to Mercedes in 2013... Many people thought that was a a dub move. Couldn't see why he'd done it. Maybe thought it was motivated by money or things like that. But looking at McLaren's form ever since then, looking at Mercedes' form ever since then, you've got to be in the right place at the right time. You know, I I think we would be having the conversation about Alonso with his fifth or sixth world championship now, if he'd made. The right moves at the right time. Um, mm. I think that the last good move Alonso made was to go to McLaren in two thousand and seven. Beyond that, it's it's slightly bad timing and things. You know, I I think Alonso in a Ferrari, and either last year's Ferrari or this year's Ferrari, would have run Lewis much much closer than uh, than Vettel has. And and for me, you know, Alonso's only in inverted commas on on two world championships. Vettel's on four. But I don't think you'd find many people in the motorsport world who would rate Vettel as a better driver than Alonso It's an interesting one, isn't it really what gets me
0: i think is that as a a nation you think we would be massively behind this and we'll be massively behind Hamilton and you know everyone would be be really celebrating this but he's he's sort of become I guess maybe because he's not the, the typical British underdog, he's also become the sort of guy that people love to hate. And I don't know whether it's because he comes across as maybe slightly arrogant, perhaps, you could argue. I mean, we, we know that actually... The drivers that we're fortunate enough to speak to, and we've spoken to a lot, are, are just genuinely lovely, lovely people. And it's really nice to talk to people. And when you speak to these guys in person, and, you know, you just sat there chatting they could be you or I or, or all of us you know we are sitting here chatting to you and I'm sure you're sitting here listening because you have more than a passing interest in cars and motorsport and everything else that goes with it but these guys you know they, they live for it they love it and they really enjoy it but I just wonder why it is that maybe we sort of not get quite so hard behind oh
1: hang on a second you can hear something fruity outside the window somebody's uh, somebody's rev bombing they are and uh, yeah it's uh, I mean the the underdog British underdog type thing, as you say. I mean, the the Brits do love an underdog. Really, in terms of background and where he came from, he uh, he did a lot of it himself, and and his father Anthony did a lot of it himself as well, working many many jobs at the same time to cover Lewis's racing career in the early days. You know, motorsport, as we all know, is ruinously expensive. Definitely ruinously expensive, yeah. even at the lower levels. But for uh, for I think he once described himself as a, a lad from a council estate on Stevenage. Um, not Lewisham, unfortunately. I think if if Lewis Hamilton was from Lewisham, that would be much better. So, mm. but that's an aside. Be good for marketing. Uh, but no, he he managed to to drag himself up. Okay, McLaren picked him up and and sponsored his career a lot from the early days, much as the Red Bull driver program does now. Mercedes young driver program. Okay, there's financial support there. And and training and backup and whatever else, but it's it's still up to the driver to deliver. If Lewis Hamilton wasn't the natural talent that he is behind a wheel, then McLaren wouldn't have backed him all the way, and and he wouldn't be where he is. So it's it's a combination of of hard work, good luck, taking the opportunity, m- making the opportunities present themselves. You know, no, nothing's handed to anyone on a plate. Everybody has to go and work for everything. So he's he's done that very well. But mm. yeah, I think, as you said, going back to the. Uh, He's a divisive character. Um, he's, he's very easy to love because of his talent and, and his abilities. Yep. He is also very easy to hate. But having said that, the same could be said of Schumacher. You know, I remember for, for years and years and years, week in, week out, watching Schumacher win everything. To be honest, the same thing happened with Vettel. At one point, every time he won, he was getting booed on the podium because people were bored by it. Schumacher again it was it was boring his domination because you know exactly what was going to happen there really wasn't a lot of point watching first Mm. and second the rest of the of the grid and the rest of the race was was good to watch but the Ferraris were so far out in front but again going back to to Senna you know Senna versus Prost you you were either a Senna fan or a Prost fan yeah and and that was it but that is that that divisiveness that that difference of opinion is that what makes somebody a great you know you don't get many people arguing over um 18 19 other drivers yes everybody's got their fans but throughout down the grid you know there aren't massive heated debates an entire podcast devoted to all of the other drivers lewis on his own probably gets more airtime than a lot of them put together because he is at the top of his game, he is that mm. good. So I, I think being divisive, that that just comes naturally from being successful. But yeah, I think his, his expression, the way he expresses himself, what he does outside of motorsport, yep. draws criticism, um, people mock him for it. But at the end of the day, he, he turns up and he does the business weekend in, weekend out.
0: For sure, yeah. I, I don't think there can, there can be any argument there. I think that's the thing he's... He, there's no question that he is an exceptionally talented guy in pretty much anything with four wheels. Goodness knows, maybe he's suffered two. But, um, you know, he is he is a, a talented racer. He has earned his money. He earns his money week in, week out. And actually, he probably deserves a little bit of the arrogance that goes with it because he is, I think, he's that good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the that self-belief that you need to have from a very young age that you are yeah. the best in the world or one of the best in the world or... On your day you can you can beat anyone you need to have a certain amount of that otherwise you i don 't think you wouldn't make it to the top mm. um, but it's uh, again it 's how you you carry it off and and how you present yourself maybe when things go wrong. Schumacher was always criticized for being being arrogant and you know very Germanic, i suppose about the way he was. I think a lot of that and we 've seen since his accident was was wanting to be. Private, he he was only interested in racing, he didn't like the, the media attention, the public attention, he just liked driving cars fast and that was it. Why all the fuss about everything else, he, he didn't understand it. Jim Clark, again I think it was like that, he was a, a quiet chap, a farmer by trade and he'd turn up and race a car and and absolutely dominate everybody else. On the, in the field that day, yeah, and then he'd get out of the car and say, Well, why didn't everybody else just do what I did? I, I don't understand it. You know, the countless times he'd, he'd get out of the car having lapped the entire field in a wet race or you know, qualified seconds 10, 15, 20 seconds a lap ahead of everybody else and go, Well, you, you just drive, it's it's easy. Um, anyway, that's that's it. I'm going home now. So, and 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 he's an interesting one, actually, Jim Clark. And I appreciate we
0: were we sort of. Headed off on a slight tangent here, but winner of two titles, and just a incredibly successful driver in pretty much anything. So from touring cars to your, to really it was just you know you would go out there in, in an Escort, you know, in sort of club racer type special. Um, a, yeah,
1: he'd do any formula, um, Formula Lotus, One, Formula Two, Formula Man, Three, anything, yeah. anything like that. Again, yeah. he he just liked driving cars fast.
0: Yeah, Jim Clark, of course, um, characterised, I guess, by his sort of three-wheel antics in a Cortina. I mean, a fantastic picture of nothing else, but what a
1: character. Yeah, of course, uh, yeah, he was um, killed in a, in a Formula 2 event, and he was competing in Formula 1 at the same time, so it's, it's an odd one. Maybe that's why we don't see too many drivers entering other disciplines and other races. Uh, I think we've spoken about Alonso in the past and, and the variety of what he's up to. I think he, he reached the conclusion a couple of years ago that... The McLaren Honda thing wasn't working, and and he sort of burnt a few bridges and, and run out of options elsewhere in the field to go and drive for other teams. Whether you believe his side of the story or rebels as to whether they offered him a drive or not, we'll we'll leave up to you. But no no chances to win a championship in Formula One, so he's disappeared off and done, um, uh, done Le Mans, which he won. And again, some people might say that's that's a gimme, as uh, there was only the Toyotas running in the same class. But again, you you can only be what's put in front of you at the time and they had another team uh, another car with three very good drivers but more importantly they had a 24 hour race to beat and uh, so many times at Le Mans and for Toyota as well just a couple of years ago they'd done everything perfectly for 23 hours 40 something minutes but for a lap and a half they didn't finish and they lost so it must gutting must not it oh just just horrific but Alonso turned his hand to that he was devastatingly quick I think it was Alonso's stint overnight, in the dark, at a circuit. He doesn't know, like, the back of his hand in a car that he doesn't know inside and out that he hasn't spent a massive amount of time in. His his pace at night was, was just phenomenal. It's the consistency that, that, yeah. for him. He was consistently fast all the way through. Yeah, I think Alonso quite often says he's, he's maybe not the quickest over a single lap, but he will get 100% out of the car every time he is in it over a race distance. It's like
0: Skeletrics, isn't it? It's that how fast can you go, make it go,
1: at a constant speed... Without falling (laughs) off. Without falling off. And he's definitely very good at that. So again, Um, yeah, I mean, a divisive character, Alonso, there, with with teams and the relationships uh, that he's had with teammates. Lewis, of course, from back in in 2007. Um, And uh, Ferrari management or Renault, Crashgate, McLaren management... He, you know, he he just seems to have always been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, not long after he left Ferrari, they had a, a car that was, I think, certainly the early part of this year. The class of the field, a few development issues. But again, you you could say if Alonso was in the car, would it have developed differently? Was, was he the weak link in terms of development? He's just the guy to get in it and drive it and, and leave development to somebody else. Um, which which has suited Ferrari in the past, really. Having a number one and a number two driver and a, and a team of development drivers in their own track to pound around week in, week out led to the Schumacher success. I'd quite fancy my own racetrack. That'd be, good. That'd be good. I think there's a house for sale in Ireland at the moment with a go-kart track in the grounds. Have a look at that.
0: And on that note, I think we'd better go and take a look. So, uh, guys, cheers for listening to us. We've spoken a
1: bit about Schumacher, Vettel, Fangio, Clark. Scooter. Scooters. Uh, Lewis, Lewis the man, Lewis the um, not not really spoken too much about his his driving this year, um, virtually one hundred percent error free. I think he had a a lock up and, and ran wide across the grass when his his tyres had fallen off in Mexico. I think that's pretty much the he first. He didn't drive into a pit sign this year. Uh, no, that's true. Yeah, he's he's done well with that, <laughs> and it's um yeah I th- think this year it's been uh, you know Vettel's come in for a lot of flack with um with throwing the championship away, making mistakes. Yes, big mistakes like... um, Well, it was a small mistake with big consequences, as he put it, um, going off and and into the gravel and the barrier whilst leading at Germany. Um, But on balance, I think eh, even regardless of that, Lewis's pace and and the Mercedes team as a whole, I think even if you ignored and turned around and and reversed all of the errors and points, I still think Lewis would have won it. Maybe Vettel would have run him for longer. Um, But uh, but just a, a word on Vettel, it was lovely to see him... Congratulate Lewis afterwards. To break off his interview to congratulate him, but then to go round the entire Mercedes uh, garage and, and the motorhome, shake everybody's hand, and and say good it job, class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just you know, very uh, very magnanimous and 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 very good dignified. Work. Yes, thank you. It's uh, so I think it's it's taught him a lot this year, Vettel. So I think we'll uh, I think we'll see Vettel and Ferrari come back stronger and, and more motivated next year. it would be interesting to see how Leclerc gets on uh, against Vettel as well. Um, But no, I think Lewis's form this year, you, you can't take anything away from him uh, in terms of, of driving talent, raw pace, anything like that. Greatest of all time. Possibly, can we only judge it when he's finished? I, I don't know. If you look at his career all the way through, tied on points with Alonso in his first year. Won the championship against a a very strong master in his second year. Got run probably closest by anyone over a consistent period by Jensen during their time together. Uh, I think he outscored him on points and and certainly on a couple of weekends, Lewis just could not touch him for pace. Over to Mercedes and on, on balance, yeah, Lewis had the measure of Rosberg well and truly. There was one season where Rosberg took it the other way, but I think the fact that Rosberg retired straight away afterwards, he he was just spent. He couldn't do any more. He knew he couldn't raise himself consistently to uh, to Lewis's level. The fact that Lewis has been able to maintain that level year in year out is is the mark of a true all time great. So, mm. two more years left on his Mercedes contract, five world championships at the moment, and and again for but for a few points here, he could already be on six. Take in 2007, if McLaren had a, a number one, number two driver order and and favoured Lewis, then then it could already be six. He, he's already declared he's,
0: he's not giving up and, and that's it, he's still going to, to drive his pants off?
1: Yeah, no, I think as, as long as he uh, he enjoys it, which he seems to be in the, the Mercedes management letting him pretty much do what he likes, as long as he turns up and delivers on track, which he's, uh, he's certainly done this year. He's, uh, although it'll be interesting to see his uh, approach to the last two, he's got a, a weird statistic of never winning a race after he's run a, won a championship bit of an odd one that, I think on the odd occasion it's been far too late in the season and, and an oddball result in the next race so you can't always read too much into that but of course Mercedes have still got the Constructors' Championship to try and win Ferrari outscored them quite comprehensively in Mexico um and indeed, well, Valtteri got lapped by Max, didn't he? So that was a bit of an odd result so the the last couple of races will be uh, be very interesting I mean, who knows, uh bit of rain at Brazil and it could all flip around and, and be on a knife edge and, and who knows, Ferrari might come away with a championship just yet, but it'll be interesting to watch. So, I don't think we've drawn any meaningful conclusions, but we've uh, we've at least had a discussion around the subject and, and hopefully you found it interesting to listen to. Yeah, I, I hope so, because we have talked about things. Yeah, so
0: guys, thanks for listening and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time.
2: Cheers. MotorDoc, a first take media production.